All right, this is Stewardship Month. This morning I spoke on the subject of the stewardship of suffering. The stewardship of suffering. The Bible talks about the fellowship of his sufferings. Don't waste a season of suffering. Find out what God is trying to teach you through that season of suffering. Be a good steward of suffering. And... uh, We saw this morning that one of the things he wants to accomplish through seasons of suffering is for you and I to know intimately the Lord Jesus Christ more and more and more and more and more because he suffered. He suffered. Tonight I want to talk about the stewardship of each other. The stewardship of each other. That is the care of the church. God has given you the church. The church is yours. Of course, it belongs to the Lord. It was purchased by His blood. But we are members in particular, as we'll read in the text. And you need to be a good steward of each of the church. And the way you do that is by being a good steward of each other, because the church is people. We know it's the building. I just mentioned that. And we, we, we try. We, we just want to be a good testimony for the Lord. In every one of our towns, we want our church to look good. Outside, inside, and be a good testimony. Um, But uh, we also want to take care of the people. Uh, God's going to send us people, and we can go out and reach people. It happens both ways. Uh, Sometimes God just sends people your way, and we need to be good stewards of them. And other times we go out and reach them. We need to be good stewards of them too. And this is a good text that talks about being a uh, good stewards of each other. I want to encourage you to take responsibility for each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 through 27, it says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. I'd like us to look at these three verses, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of be brief tonight. I know we had child dedication, we got the Lord's Supper tonight. But um, it says here, the body, that's the church, that there should be no schism in the body, that word schism refers to a crack or a division. Uh, sometimes we even use the expression in the English that so-and-so fell through the cracks. Well, there's not supposed to be any cracks in the body. Uh, that we, we, we shouldn't have that. We shouldn't have people falling through the cracks. It shouldn't be that months go by and somebody finally says, where is brother so-and-so? Where's sister so-and-so? I think if we were more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that wouldn't be months, maybe weeks or something, but then we'd say, hey, you know, I'm going to pay them a visit. I'm going to give them a call. Nowadays, I'm going to send them a text. I'm going to see how they're doing uh, because there should be no schism in the body. But here's our text, verse 25, but that the members should have the same care one for another. The members should have the same care one for another. By the word same, it means without any partiality. Without any partiality, the members should have the same care, 
the same, without any partiality, care one for another. Uh, we shouldn't uh, favor the rich over the poor or um, the, the married over the divorced or the, anybody's ethnic background or skin color or anything like that. There shouldn't be that in the church. There's no place for that in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the members should have the same care one for another. The no partiality in the care that we have, it says one for another. And so notice that God has given us the stewardship of each other. He's depending on us. It doesn't say here that the pastors should have the same care for the congregation, but they should. I mean, that's, that's, that's a different subject. Another time is the pastor and his care for the congregation. But it says that the members should have the same care. Everybody should be involved in the ministry of caring one for another in the church that we go to. Whether the church is large or small or medium-sized, this should be a part of Christianity. Should be a part of Christianity is caring for each other. In the book of Galatians, I'll read this, chapter 6, verse 10, it says, As ye have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Isn't that a precious word, household? The household of faith. We are, there's nobody who's saved is supposed to be homeless. There should be a household of faith that they belong to. Uh, that word household is used again in Ephesians 2, 19. It says, now therefore you are no more, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I like that. That's precious. In a household. Household. Some of us came from dysfunctional homes. Uh, but the church has become like a, a precious, refreshing oasis in our lives. A place of peace that we could go to. And uh, ministered to us, just like the Lord ministered to us, brought healing and uh, gave us a whole bunch of fathers and mothers and grandmas and grandpas. Remember that? I remember that in the church. I got saved, and all of a sudden, every old lady in the place was my grandma. It was like, she, it was neat. And all the old men were like my grandparents. And it turns out they weren't that old, but I thought they were old. And uh, that was a precious thing. That was a precious thing uh to me to be able to go from a dysfunctional home and at least three times a week sometimes four times if we had brigade boys on tuesday night to a place where there was just peace and and uh there wasn't the yelling and the clamor and the uh, fighting and uh, uh there was just men there that seemed to love me women that loved me and my brothers and accepted us like they accepted everyone else it helped it's the way it's supposed to be God is pleased when we care one for another. And God wants you involved in this. You say, what should I do in the church? Care for somebody. I'm going to give you three ways how here in just a moment. But, uh, you know, I know as a father, I'm pleased when uh, I see Calvin caring for Rebecca. And he's doing a, a, a good job. And uh, he's trying to 
hard in every aspect of marriage to take care of her because she's my daughter. And um, the church is the Lord's. And when we care for his children, like he's caring for uh, my daughter, when we care for his children, that, that pleases God. I, I'm sure Pastor Keith and, and Sister Joyce, I, I'm sure there's just some peace in their lives at, at how well Chris is taking care of your daughter Elizabeth. Even halfway around the world, he tried his hardest. And that's the same with God. God wants us to take care of, of uh, his children. And uh, he, he leaves them in our care, and it's important. It's important that we all be involved in that. Verse 26 says, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. I was hurting for Julio this week. A uh, very hard week in his life, a hard couple weeks in his life. And he was in my prayers every day. And I know some of you are the same uh, way. Julio just joined the church, and he's, he's part of us, and, and, and some, something happened in his family. That's almost unspeakable. And, uh, and, and, and we've, we've tried to just embrace him as a brother in the Lord. And uh, God is working in his life. Um, death, you know, suffering, loss of a job. Uh, we don't know Matt and Angelina very well, but man, they lost their 41-foot home that they were living in down in Fort Myers. Just bang. Uh, wrong place for it to be parked. We're, we're glad they were up here, but we, we heard for them. We should suffer with the members who uh, suffer. I got... Five names on my bulletin today who have cancer that were associated with Chris Raver, right? Sandra's dad. Uh, he was here this morning. He's got cancer. Uh, Ed Landel, he was out of countryside this morning. He has lung cancer. It's terminal, uh, inoperable. Carol Bloom, I think she's on vacation, but um, she has cancer. Some of you have been ministering to her going over to her house. Amen. Young babe in Christ. And uh, stage four cancer, Jeff Beadle. He's been coming Wednesday nights with Ty Warden. His, he's terminal. You know, unless God intercedes and heals. Jean Arnold, been up to see her. Um, she's got nine more weeks of radiation on her brain cancer. They took a, a brain tumor the size of an egg uh, out of her brain. Now she's got nine more, I think, uh, uh, 11, is it 11 weeks of radiation. She's through two of them. So this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll take her from Elderwood over to Roswell for radiation five straight days. She's 76 years old. She's a dear, sweet sister in the Lord that goes to our church in Perrysburg. You'd all fall in love with her if you knew her. You don't, but I do. She lives right next to the post office in Perrysburg. And uh, she's a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. And this has afforded me an opportunity in her room to share the gospel with her, her daughter and her son. A tremendous, tremendous uh, witnessing opportunity, Gene Arnold. Amethyst. Debbie, is that your granddaughter or just a, a friend? A friend's five years old. You can remember that name pretty easy, Amethyst. 
Amethyst Rinaldo, five-year-old girl with cancer. We're supposed to suffer with people. Uh, we're, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to keep these people at the top of our hearts and be praying for them. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And it says, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. I know um, that uh, Charles Spurgeon, there's another verse similar to this in the book of Romans, or, or Philippians, I think, it's rejoice with those that rejoice. More with those. He said that that commandment to rejoice with those that do rejoice is one of the hardest commandments in all of the Bible to keep because of our ugly pride. You know, somebody gives a testimony and says, praise the Lord, I got to lead three people to Christ this week. Everybody in the room ought to start doing somersaults, backflips, jumping jacks, shouting for joy, rejoicing. That's what should happen. Like there is in heaven over one sinner that rejoices. But it's not always that way. Uh, I've, I've met soul winners who say, I don't even mention it in church anymore. Uh, we're supposed to rejoice with those that do rejoice. And if somebody's honored, we're supposed to rejoice with them. You know, if somebody else gets the brand new car and yours barely makes it from service station to service station, we're supposed to rejoice with them. Somebody gets a really nice house, we're supposed to rejoice with them. Somebody's business explodes, we should be rejoicing with them. Well, you struggle to rub two nickels together. We should be rejoicing with them. Somebody gets married, we should rejoice with them. While you're waiting 20 years for a possible suitor, should be rejoicing with them. Somebody else has a baby, rejoice with them. You can't have a baby, well, rejoice with them. It's a hard one because of our pride. And then verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. You are the body of of Christ and members in particular. That word particular means a part due or assigned to someone. You are assigned to a local church. God hath set every one of them in the body. It's part of God's will. Those of you that are watching, I know a lot of people watch online. I don't know where you live, some of you. I understand that. But if you don't have a church, you need to start one. And God will be with you. I've seen it. Uh, start one and get a congregation going, a Bible study going or something. Get, get yourself a pastor in there. Pray one in. Or if there are churches in your town, you're supposed to go to one. Even if it's no good, uh, you go make it better. Now show them how to do it. Show them how to be a Christian. But God has set every one of us in the body. I said, please, every one of us set like concrete. Set in the body. Everyone, church is part of God's perfect will for our life. There's a lot of other parts to the perfect will of God for our life, but that's, that's one of the parts. We're supposed to be in church. We're supposed to be a member of a church, and we're supposed to uh, help contribute to the church. And if we can't contribute anything, at least contribute care. All of us can do that. While you're waiting to do something big for God, do a bunch of little things. And uh, help your church. Don't stay home. I know COVID took somebody out of the habit of fellowshipping with the flock. But you need to overcome that. Get back in fellowship. And if you think the churches are no good, study the New Testament. 
Those churches were a mess. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. Study 1 Corinthians. I wouldn't want to be a part of that church. But if I was alive back then, I would have stayed in there and tried to help get it, make it better. And by the second epistle, it was getting better. It was getting better. There was improvement in the church. It was a mess. 13, uh, 13 individual local churches are described in the New Testament. And, and all but maybe one or two of them is a mess. And Jesus never told one person to leave there, quit the church because it's no good or the pastor's no good. You, you can't find anything like that anywhere in Scripture where the Lord ever said, well, the churches are so bad, I think I'll just stay home and watch my favorite preacher on television or listen to him on radio. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says, get in your local church, and if it's just two or three, don't worry about it. God is in the midst of two or three that are gathered in his name, and you just try to make that church better. Now, how can we care for each other? Three things quickly before we have the Lord's Supper. Number one, win souls to Christ in church. I'm serious. One of the ways we can care for people is those that come to church. God draws some people in that are unbelievers. It says so in the book of 1 Corinthians. They'll come in, they'll hear the preaching, they'll fall on their knees and worship and testify that God is in you of a truth. Lost people come to church. Now, mainly we're supposed to go out to them, but lost people come to the church. And we're supposed to be soul winners. I read the story once of, man, I always get this wrong. It's either Daniel Messier or David Messier. I think it's M-E-S-S-I-E-R. But back in the 1970s and 80s, he went to a very large church in Kansas City. And in 10 years, he led 500 souls to Christ inside of his church building. I read it in a book. The book was entitled, You Are a Miracle Waiting to Happen. Sounds like a charismatic book. But it's true. You are a miracle waiting to happen. Every one of you, God wants to do miracles through you. If you'll submit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, use me, God will do miraculous things through you. You are a miracle waiting to happen. The June and Sandra here, they, they go to the Philippines. They didn't have this big, huge congregation waiting for them there. Oh, hey, they're here, you know, big, big celebration. And no, they, they were a miracle waiting to happen. They, they were going around. They were having all kinds of troubles when, when they were on deputation. Kids were getting sick. Remember all that stuff? And, and um, finding out health problems in the family. And you're like, well, are they going to make it? And, uh, but they submitted themselves to the Lord. They said, Lord, use us. And God has used them to plant two, two churches in the Philippines. They are a miracle. Uh, not waiting to happen. They are a miracle that has happened. And it's the same. Now, we don't have to all be missionaries and pastors, evangelists. You can, God can use you. Brother uh, Sean there, he's been praying for this Bob guy for years. I don't know if it's years or not, but two years. Two years been praying for him. Got saved this week. And man, this guy is like lit up like a light bulb. And... Um, and he's been putting his name on the prayer list on Wednesday nights. And the whole church has been praying for him to be saved because he's been thinking about Christ. 53 years old, Catholic. Got saved. We think those people never get saved. Well, we're wrong. 
They will. We can do soul winning in the church. Ariel got saved this morning. We have had him on, her rather on our prayer list. She's come here for months. What a life she's had. She's had a hard life. I'm not going to kid you. And when I was preaching this morning about the difficult childhood of Christ, she said that spoke to my heart. That opened my heart to understand. And so many of you have been ministering to her. You've been talking to her. You've been sharing the gospel with her. You've been praying for her. I'm telling you, we can do soul winning in the church. And Messier led 500 people to Christ in 10 years in his church. Now that's 500 Sundays. 10 years. Do the math. That's one each week. But he would go to church caring for people's souls. And this was a huge church, but God can still do the same thing here. Some of you need to come to church and say, who's new today? I'm going to meet them. I'm going to find out if they're saved. I'm going to find out if, if, if they've uh, ever trusted Christ. You could ask them, like, do you go to any particular church? I ask that question a lot. Did, was there any particular church you grew up in when you were young? They say, oh, yeah, I was Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, whatever. Well, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven someday, or do you have some doubts about that? Do you ever think about that? Are you ever concerned about that? Do you ever wonder if it's possible someone could know for sure? Oh, yeah, I do wonder about that. And then you get to go into the gospel with them. Sure, you can lead people to Christ right here in church. God's going to send some, and we need to care for them. And so some of you need to be bold, and sometimes it's before church, sometimes it's after church, but you can you can talk to people and, and, and minister to them. Number two, we need to be friendly. Number two, one, we need to win souls. Number two, we need to be friendly. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. Proverbs 18.24, a church should be a friendly place. Should be a friendly place. Not a few people, and the rest be sour pusses, but everyone should be friendly. And if a, if a man will have friends, he must show himself friendly. You, listen, and, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but you can't be an effectual minister or effectual member in the church if you just come in every time you come, plop down in your regular seat from the time you get here to the time you leave, and, and be ministering. It doesn't work that way. Uh the church offers a good opportunity before church, after church, to mingle around with people. Say, hey, I, I don't know you. I've seen you in church for years. What is your name? And get to know people. Go home, write their name down on a list and pray for them. And uh, be uh, friendly. And uh, you'll find out things about them. And then last of all, number three is be caring. There's a difference between being friendly and being caring. Okay, I've said this before. If I had to choose between a friendly doctor and a caring doctor, I'll choose the caring doctor. I don't know about you, but some of my doctors are like really super short with me. I mean, short. And I'm like, don't you understand I'm a pastor? They could care less. But they just say, oh, okay, well, bang, bang, bang. This is your problem. This is what I want you to take. And and uh, we'll see you in six months. And out he goes, closes the door, and, and, and leaves you with a prescription. And, well, and then you walk out and say, what just happened? 
and, and then you take the prescription and it helps. And I've written letters. I send Christmas cards to the doctors. Some of these doctors, I think, didn't save my life, but certainly improved the quality of my life. A lot. They discovered things I didn't know, but they knew. Um, and they were caring. They weren't very friendly, but they were caring. And you can go to a church and, and be friendly with people and not be caring. Uh, in fact, let me just warn you, one of the worst things you'll ever do is go up to somebody and just talk about yourself. It's one of the most damaging, unchristian things you will ever do. Is just corner somebody that you can talk to about yourself. You would not believe how painful that is for some people, especially people who are hurting. And that's how I remember David Gibbs. I consider him a giant for God, if you know who David Gibbs is. I consider him a giant for God. And I, I couldn't imagine him ever having any problems or difficulties, but I remember he told a story once about how he was just hurting. He was at the quitting point. He was about ready to give up. And he goes to a church, and some guy corners him and just starts talking about himself and just won't stop. And he said, you wouldn't believe how much that hurt me and almost pushed me to quit. Look, when we come to church, forget about yourself. Die to self. We know you got problems. We, we preached on that this morning. Suffering is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. But there comes a time where you just got to say, Lord, and when I'm in prayer meeting with the men, I, I always pray that. Now, Lord, when we leave this room and go into church, help us to forget about ourselves and minister to people that come our way and, and find out about them and say, Hi, what's your, what's your name? How, how are you doing? Or even members you know, how are things going? Uh, is there anything I can pray about in your life? Uh, how are you doing? That fellow John that was here last week, he didn't come back this week, but I hope he comes back. His mother, his wife, and his eight-year-old baby all died within the last year or two. You wouldn't know that by looking at them unless you asked. You got to ask. How are you doing? How have things been going in your life? And man, he said that, and I said, man, I don't have any problems. It'd be amazing how when you start ministering to people or going out on visitation, you, you, you find out you don't have any problems. It, it's good therapy for you. Uh, when you find out who, who really got problems. And I thought, man, alive. So I just started praying for them. We got to care for people. Got to try to just not just be friendly. Hey, how you doing today? Good to see you, man. Come back and see you sometime. That, that's fine. It's better than just being stoic in a bunch of statues that don't say anything to anybody. Uh, my wife and I have been in churches like that. We've been in 50 states. We've been in churches where nobody said a thing to you. And I thought, man, if I was in this town, I would probably try out some other churches first. Then maybe come back and you know, try to do my best or something, but we're like, wow. Or the pastor, he'll talk to you. He's it, though. Everybody else sits there. Like, and heaven forbid you say amen. And so it's like, 
in the world? What was that? Oh, we've been in some churches. And one of them was called Welcome Baptist Church. That was something. So friendly is being better than unfriendly, but friendly is not being caring. Please understand that. And I've I got to close with this, but, but we've got to be caring. We've got to go beyond saying, hey, good to see you today, man, to saying, hey, how are things going? How are things going with you? Who are you? What, what, what's going on in your life? And uh, then they say something like that guy said to me last week in church, and you're like, wow, your eight-month-old baby died? Wow. Man, I feel for you. I don't know if he'll ever come back, but I know this. He'll know somebody cared about him. The one time he came, and and some of you others are, are ministering to him too, so God bless you. Keep it up. Wowee. But uh, these are some of the keys, anyway, on, on making a better church and being good stewards of one another. So number one, try to win souls to Christ. Find out if, if somebody that comes to men's breakfast or whatever, seniors this Thursday, what an opportunity. Some new senior shows up and see if you can, how far you can go with them with the gospel without turning them off. Soul winning. Being friendly. Okay, just I, I know you like your favorite seat. It's comfortable. It's got a six-inch cushion on. We bought those on purpose. I understand that, but boy, you gotta you gotta get around. You gotta change. You gotta meet people, and then go beyond friendly and caring and, and and getting involved, digging in, and finding out is there any way I can help this person? If I can't, is there anyone else in our church who's qualified to help this person? Is Sometimes uh, there's a legitimate need for finances. Is there any way uh, alms or benevolence fund can help this person? Or or what can we do? This person don't have a car. This person's furnace quit. Is is there any way we can help this person? I know Pastor Seth's really good at that, uh, going around helping people. All right. So tonight... As we have the Lord's Supper, we're supposed to examine ourselves, and we talked about the stewardship of each other, and maybe that's could be ignorance. Maybe I don't preach on it or teach on it enough. Could be omission. <clears throat> Sometimes you say, you know, Lord, I haven't been even trying to be friendly. Help me. Change me. That's a fault in me. Help me to be more friendly and caring and seeing how far I can go. And that's when the miracles start. When you start caring for people. It's like the lady, and I've told this story ten times, but I'll close with this, and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. Um, but uh, she came to the church, and, and she sat in a big church. Nobody said a thing to her, and she left. And uh, she did something very few people ever do. She gave the church a second chance the next week. Very few people ever do that. Came back second week, totally ignored. Nobody said a thing to her. She did something nobody ever does. She went back the third week, gave the church a third chance. Nobody said a word to her. She just sat there. All the teens hung around with all their teen friends. All the seniors hung around with their senior friends. All the families hung around with their families and like had their weekly family reunion at church. Nobody cared a thing about her. 
Not a thing. She went back four times. She said, God, if you're real, and I can't find you at church, I'm going to give up. She sat there, and an old lady crept up next to her and sat next to her. And she was middle-aged mom or something, and that old lady said, you know, I've never seen you at our church before. And she said, oh, this is my fourth week. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, never, I didn't see you the last couple of weeks, but I just wanted to come and say hi and introduce myself and let you know that I love you and I'm praying for you. Is there anything in your life right now that I could pray about? And she said, yeah, my husband's an alcoholic and my son is in prison. And... Uh, she said, wow. Um, I, I think he was an alcoholic or sick or something. I don't remember exactly. but And she said, wow. See, she just opened the door of the lady's heart by asking her, is there anything I can pray with you about? And uh, she said, could I pray with you right now? And she prayed a really wonderful prayer. And then the church service started, and for the first time, the lady listened to the pastor, responded to the invitation, and accepted Jesus as her Savior. And uh, she uh, then said to the pastor, this is my new friend, you know, her husband's sick or whatever, alcoholic or something, her son's in prison, do you think we can help him? The pastor said, absolutely. Absolutely, and the pastor came over to visit and, and helped her husband. And pretty soon he got into church. He got saved. Then he started going to the prison and visiting their son and ministering to him. And he came to know the Lord as his Savior. Got saved. And then when he was released, he started coming to church. See, you are a miracle waiting to happen. And it all started with a little question. Can I pray with you about anything? Can I help you? All of us can do that. You don't have to be a theologian to do something like that. We can all do that. We can all do that. And we need to be the stewardship, the stewardship month of each other, of his church. God's people, too, are hurting sometimes, and those he sends our way. So I'd like us just to think about that as we bow our heads and close our eyes. The Bible tells us that the Lord's Supper is a time of self-examination as you're praying Right now, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a time to pray to God. Maybe confess your sins. Maybe tonight God exposed some. Hey, I'm preaching to myself tonight. There's sometimes I don't want to be friendly. I don't want anyone to bother me. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to get involved. And I have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so glad you weren't that way with me. And we have to care like Jesus and be more like Jesus. Maybe you need to confess that tonight. Maybe it's been an ignorance in your life and now you know, or maybe it's been something you've heard before but you forgot, a sin of omission, or whatever it is. You talk to the Lord. For the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And so let's just take a few moments for that before we distribute the Lord's Supper tonight. And let's just pray.